Hello and welcome to Mobility Minute, a bite-sized podcast for people on the move. I'm your host, Justine Rusho from the Greater Mercer TMA. Every week, you'll find an episode about transportation and mobility that you can listen to when you're on the go. We also interview some pretty amazing people who work in different corners of the transportation space. Whether you drive, bike, walk, skate, roll, or take public transit, these episodes will guide you through the world of planning and transportation in New Jersey as we talk about how to make it safer, easier, and greener to get around in Mercer and Ocean County. Welcome back, everyone. This week, the conversation continues on electric vehicle adoption in New Jersey. This episode features the second half of my interview with Sean Green, the Air Quality Programs Manager at the Delaware Valley Regional Planning Commission, or the DVRPC. Their service area includes Mercer County and some parts of New Jersey, and Greater Mercer TMA works closely with their air quality partnership in the efforts to reduce transportation-related air pollution sources in our region. Part of that work is understanding how new technologies, like electric vehicles, can impact and improve air quality for us all. The DVRPC has an amazing suite of resources about EVs, and I highly recommend checking it out. It's very comprehensive. When I first reached out to Sean for the interview, his team had just launched an online tool called the DVRPC EV Planning Toolkit. So that's where our conversation starts. Especially with the new infrastructure bill that was passed in November, there is a great focus in the federal government and especially in New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the leaders in the country promoting the adoption of electric vehicles. That's something to be really proud of. It it really should. And, you know, our our region's a bi-state agency, do a lot of work in Pennsylvania. And my Pennsylvania partners are frankly tired of hearing me say, well, in New Jersey, this is how they do it. I love being recognized for something good. <laughs> you know, um, I, I used to work with a fellow that was from California and we would be talking about diesel engines and he would constantly say, well, in California, this is how we do it. And after about, you know, six months, I was like, I get it. California, <laughs> right? And 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 New, Jer- New Jersey has kind of become that place with electric vehicles. New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection is running some fantastic programs to promote electric vehicles um, because of your coastline. Oh, it is interesting that you should bring that up. California and New Jersey, both are coastal states. Um, Are you saying that for coastal communities, we should be a little bit more aware about the impacts of climate change? Right. And the the impacts of Sandy a few years ago, climate change is real for the people in New Jersey and reducing, you know, greenhouse gas emissions is real. Um, Not only that, our region in New Jersey, again, doesn't meet that ozone standard, right? So electric vehicles, are helping reduce those pollutants that, that, that form ozone. So, you know, there's a great initiatives to identify the needs for fueling infrastructure. You know, always a chicken and an egg. Um, you know, do you put charging stations in and then people will buy cars or do you put the charging stations where people have cars? Right. So that's why it's so important to develop the kind of tools that'll help us make these decisions about EV infrastructure. So uh, my predecessor that was working on electric vehicles at at DVRPC uh, formed a partnership with the University of California at Davis. Mm -hmm. And they have a model that will, based on census characteristics, based on Mm -hmm. where electric vehicles are now, a model that will predict where there may be concentrations of future electric vehicle ownership, where there may be uh, locations where workplace charging will be in high demand. Because, you know, what I've learned is, is 
the overwhelming majority of folks that are going to charge an electric vehicle are either going to do it at home or do it at work. Right, right. Now, publicly available charging stations not only fill the gap, but also provide people with the comfort level that, hey, if I'm not at home or, I, or I'm not at work and I'm starting to go low on a charge, that I have an opportunity to at least charge my vehicle to a point where we can, we can, we can. We won't be breaking down on the road. Uh, not breaking down on the road, right? right. So it's, a, it's, it's, it's an important psychological investment, you know, as well as an infrastructure investment, because the other side of this, electric vehicles started off fairly expensive, right? And, and so, uh, you know, when they began, you could afford an electric vehicle. A lot of times you had a driveway in which to park it, right? And charge. Right. So it does become a bit of a barrier for people who want to own an electric vehicle, but live in an apartment or don't have a driveway. Right. So very, very important. You know, as, as we move towards an electric vehicle more, more prevalent, we need to make sure that folks that live in places like multi-unit dwellings or live in places with no off-street parking have an opportunity to charge somewhere so that they can access this electric vehicle market and all the benefits that come with owning one. Lower maintenance costs, lower fuel costs, right? No fuel costs. Yeah, well, right. I know a woman who bought an electric car recently, and so she stopped paying for fuel. She stopped paying for gas at the gas station, and instead she was paying for electricity to power her car. So her electric bill went up 44%, which is insane. But even with that 44% increase, she still only had to pay like $50 for that month. For the month. That's one fill up of the tank, right? Depending on what you're driving. Exactly. $50 for a month is not a bad deal. So I guess one major obstacle that we're seeing with electric vehicle adoption is that if people don't see a way to charge their cars, then they don't consider buying an electric vehicle. So this tool that you've developed is going to help create that infrastructure and fill in those gaps um, and you know, really give municipal planners and business owners and maybe even individuals and property managers a better sense of where they can build these things. So I think it's, it's, it's important, um, you know, in these early stages, we start looking at bridge locations, you know, bridge so locations? that, uh, and I don't mean bridges over the river, I mean bridges to get oh us goodness. comfortable with Oh wearable. my goodness. <laughs> I was literally picturing like a charging station on a bridge, <laughs> which is, might not be the best place to charge. No. If there is a convenience store halfway between home and work, and that's a strategic place for a charging station or there's a charging station there, mm -hmm. now I have a certain level of comfort because there are different levels of chargers. And, you know, the bit, most basic ones take a long time to fully charge your, your vehicle. So if that's all you have is charging at home, you may have to use a more powerful charger some other point in mm -hmm. your travels, right? And knowing that they're there and if they're in strategic locations, that's important. And I think, you know, that that goes into that, that, makes that goes into that planning. Right. And I think there's a term specifically that talks about or that refers to that feeling that you get when your EV battery is running low. And I think that's called range anxiety. Yes. Right. So I think understanding range anxiety, how we can address it, why it happens is really important in figuring out where to put these charging stations and where, where to put this infrastructure. And that's why it's yeah. so important when making those decisions that you can see it on a map. And I think that's what your tool does, right, is to help planners and help municipalities visualize where are the key strategic places that we can put EV infrastructure.
And we are going through a major update of that tool with with new data, uh, updating it, uh, fixing it. I guess when we first talked, we were we were launching the the update. We're still getting to uh, you know uh, putting that 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 update live, and I think that's that's become a better tool through the update. New Jersey uh, Department of Environmental Protection provides us with registration data of where electric vehicles are. It's a critical input. Um, and they've right. also done, you know, mapping of where electric vehicle charging stations are in in the state, which, again, when you're planning for future ones is is a critical uh, piece of information. Right. Doesn't make sense to put one across the street from an existing one. <laughs> right. You want to space out your uh, locations a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Greater Mercer TMA deals with a lot of like neighborhood level EV education, right? We help municipalities, we help property managers, property owners, businesses in making these decisions to put up an EV charging station and we help them find their footing in this new EV space. So what are the things that DVRPC does as well on a more regional level to to encourage and to help people jump on this EV trend or this EV wave? Yeah, so right right now I'm working with um, Burlington and Camden counties on a project to, again, try and strategically look at where investment in charging stations, publicly available charging stations might make sense. And so I think we're looking at their county facilities as a potential, you know, and in, in, in running through some proximity analysis, is that facility or park uh, close to a multi unit dwelling, you know, development, right? Is it close to an existing charging station? In that case, it may be a negative, right? For wanting to put a station there. Um, Is it close to a census block group? You know, it's a small area of geography from the census, from the census, um, where we anticipate a higher level of workplace charging. Is it close to one of those places? Is it is it close to a census block group of where there are already a high number of electric vehicles? And if it and if it's in proximity to, to all those places, maybe that's a good place for you to take a closer look at putting a charging station. Now, of course, if it's a park with no electricity anywhere near or a very small parking lot. Right, that's a secondary look. But let's do that first level screening and ha- identify. Hey, here are some potential places where that infrastructure may be a good investment. Right. So when you say multi-unit dwellings, you mean places like apartments, townhouses? Yeah, places where people may not have an opportunity to, you know, have a private parking spot where they can run the cord from their electrical source, you know, onto the street to charge. Now, another thing that uh, many governments are looking at and, and, and planning agencies are looking at is, you know, how do we, how do we address that issue of people with on-street parking to allow them to charge? Right. And there, you know, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer. And you're starting to see some fairly innovative, uh, you know, baby step solutions to, 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 to how that's, how that works. Because I think, you know, largely, Charging electric vehicles is becoming a parking issue as much as a charging issue. Oh my gosh, indeed. And you know yes. how sensitive you know how sensitive, <laughs> sensitive people get about parking. <laughs> yes, people are always so afraid that they're gonna lose their parking. That's true. I do have another question for you, Sean, though, about EVs and their impact on the environment. So we've established that EVs don't use gas, and that's a good thing for the environment. So no emissions or low and barely any emissions, which is fantastic. 
However, they do still use up like electricity and the production and generation of that, of that electricity makes quite an impact on our environment and air quality as well. You know, EVs also take quite a lot of resources to manufacture. So that, this is something that I come up against in my personal ethos. Like EVs are much better for air quality in the sense that they don't contribute to air pollution when you drive them. But what about in regard to everything else? No, ab absolutely. Absolutely. So they're, they're cleaner cars, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, eventually they'll be heavier duty trucks that will also be cleaner, which is, you know, all a good thing. Right. But it's, it is important. And this is a personal, you know, and, and you working in the TMA and, and, and me talking about that, about conservation, it's important to remember that it's, it's still vehicles on the road. Right. And right. public transit is certainly a, a way more efficient way to travel mm -hmm. if it's if it's an available option mm -hmm. to you, both for air quality and for uh, time savings and reducing congestion on the road, uh, that these transportation demand management strategies are important to invest in and important to participate in, regardless of what kind of vehicle you're driving. Right. Um, you know, if you can share a ride. Right. You know, that's. That's taking a whole car, even if you just share a ride with one person, that's taking a whole car off the road, regardless of whether it's zero emissions vehicle or not. Now, you know, with with the, this country's love affair with the personal vehicle, you right. know, electric vehicles are cleaner and mm -hmm. absolutely. And even better as we progress towards renewable energy sources to generate our electricity. That's an important component that has to grow with electrical electric vehicle adoption. Mm -hmm. if we're to make those air quality goals because if you're burning coal to create electricity to fuel the vehicles we're not making those great leaps right we have to continue to invest right. in renewable energy clean energy to to fund that uh, to, to to drive that electric grid but again you can't lose sight of those tdm those transportation demand strategies um, sharing a ride walking biking when you can taking transit those things you know you talk about the cost of electricity may be lower but the cost of those vehicles is not you know, those kind of things are also, um, you know, they're better for the environment. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with you. I really appreciate the perspective that you have on this topic, Sean. I mean, from the importance of EV charging infrastructure to the electrification of medium to heavy vehicles and, you know, even bringing up the fact that everything that goes into building and powering these electric vehicles, they need to be clean and green too. And I'm really pleased with everything we've been able to cover today. And I really, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Before we go, is there anything that you wanted our listeners to know? So complex problems require everybody participating in the solution. You know, there is not an easy answer to uh, a complex problem like, like, like air pollution or the pandemic. You know, complex problems really require people contributing towards the solution. And we can all play a part, big, small, in the middle. First thing, I, I, we want to encourage people to care, you know, because it impacts your health. It doesn't just impact the environment and the outside and somebody else. It impacts you. And, and so we all have a part in the solution. That is super inspiring. Thank you, Sean. <laughs> this was great. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Justine. If you like this episode and want to hear more, you can follow us and subscribe to Mobility Minute to get new episodes every week. Connect with us on Instagram at MobilityMinutePod or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GMTMA to hear the latest news and updates from us throughout the week. 
You can also find us on our website at gmtma.org to access our resource library and learn more about what we do. That's gmtma.org. I'll drop all these links in the description box for you. Signing off, I'm Justine Rasho, and this is Greater Mercer TMA's Mobility Minute, a bite-sized podcast for people on the move. Thank you so much for joining me today, and happy travels!